Welcome to Red River Cares. I'm your host, Gina Burke, and I've been working at Red River, an amazing IT company, for over a decade. And even though we are a very successful for-profit company, our philanthropic endeavors is what makes us so special. We wanted to start this podcast as a platform to tell you what we're all about, who we like to support, and to inspire you to want to make a difference in your community. In 2018, the Red River Charitable Foundation created the PTC Hero Award to celebrate those who positively transform communities. With this award, Red River employees can honor those who go above and beyond to have a significant impact on the lives of others in their community. In 2019, our award recipient, nominated by Monica Desmaris, was Teresa Hart. Teresa started the nonprofit organization New Beginnings in 2013 to honor her son, Specialist Nick Newby, who was killed in combat while serving in Iraq. New Beginnings, based out of North Idaho, provides basic necessities and essential household items to veterans, active military, and their families at no cost. I am so excited to talk to Teresa today. So without further ado, Teresa, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Tina. I am really super duper happy to be here. I love talking about New Beginnings, so this is this is um, really quite something to be talking to you on the other side of the United States about New Beginnings. I know. I'm here in New Hampshire, and you're out in North Idaho. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to start at the beginning. Um, we talked a little bit about this the other day when we were preparing for this podcast, and you mentioned that you were a military family, and I guess I was wondering... How did you feel when your son, Nicholas, said that he wanted to sign up for the National Guard and be in the military? Were you excited? Were you hesitant? Like, let's just start there so I can get a sense of how you were feeling at that time. I was not hesitant at all, actually. So I was a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force. So I kind of grew up on Air Force bases until I was about 10 years old. And then um, after that, we... We stayed in Anchorage, Alaska, and finally moved to Coeur d'Alene in, uh, let's see, 1996 was when we moved here with, with my two boys. And let's see, when Nick was 12, he actually joined the Civil Air Patrol, which was not too far from our house. And that's like the Air Force version of, like, young Marines and things like that for little kids to kind of get information about what military life would be like. And... He loved to fly, and so I actually had kind of an idea he might want to join the military. I was thinking it was going to be Air Force, though. I was not thinking National Guard. But So I wasn't surprised. I wasn't really worried or anything like that. Um, but in, let's see, so Nick joined the Idaho National Guard in 2008, and then he graduated from high school in 2009, he went to basic training in 2009. He did his advanced training in, in 2009. And then in 2010, he was deployed to Iraq with his unit. Um, so Nick did convoy security while he was there. So he um, he was either in the MRAPs or the Humvees, and he was typically the gunner. That was his job while he was there. So when I think of National Guard... I guess I think of domestic emergencies and stateside needs. Did you expect, did he expect to be deployed when he signed up for the National Guard at such a young age? Uh, the answer to that is no and no. He did not expect to get deployed, and I did not expect him to get deployed. 
Um, but, you know, that those units do get deployed. And the thing is, is once they get deployed, they're no longer National Guard. Um, he is now considered Army. So um, he was basically full-time Army pretty much from when he very start, first started National Guard because that that was the plan, I guess, was they were going to be deployed. So reading a little bit on your website, I mean, I kind of have a sense of what happens next. But if you don't mind telling the listeners, um, can you tell us how you became a Gold Star mother? So I was actually a registered nurse, and I was working for the state of Idaho at the time. And um, like I said, Nick joined the National Guard. He was He was deployed to Iraq with his unit in 2010. He um, was 10 months into his 12-month deployment um, when an EFP hit his convoy. So an EFP is an explosively formed penetrator. And what that is, it's it's basically an armor-piercing bomb. It's a form of an IED. But it was literally the one thing that Nick said he was afraid of. I remember he actually told me about EFPs. And he said, Mom, nothing can hurt me here. I'm not afraid. He he had all the trust in the world, in his armor, in the army, in his brothers, and he said nothing could hurt him. He said there was one thing he was afraid of, and that was the ESP. And he goes, the good news is I'll never see one. He goes, they're super rare. He goes, you can't even make them here. They have to be made in Iran and places like that and shipped in because they're so expensive to make. I will never see one. And it is literally what killed him, the one thing he was afraid of. So that was on July 7th of 2011, 7-7-11. And I, it was a Thursday, I remember, and I had come home from work. And um, we had dinner and everything. It was just a normal day. And my ex-husband called Nick's dad and said, is Nathan home? Nathan is my other son, and Nathan was 15 at the time. And I said, yeah, Nathan's right here. And he said, don't let him leave. Do not let him leave. And he hung up on me. And I looked at Nathan, and I go, Nathan, what did you do? I go, he's coming over here right now. And he goes, Mom, I didn't do anything, I swear. And my ex- or my husband, who was sitting next to me, looks at Nathan and goes, Nathan, are you pregnant? You know, and we kind of laughed and you know, <laughs> thought it was really funny. And I go, no, seriously, he is upset about something, and he's on his way. And I looked at James, my husband, and I said, it's not Nick, is it? And he said, absolutely not. He says, you are Nick's mom. If something happened to Nick, you would be the first to know. And I said, okay. So we waited about 20 minutes for Wayne to arrive, and when he pulled in our driveway, there was another vehicle that followed him in, and, and I could tell immediately that it had government plates. Oh. So he, he pulled up in front of our house, and Wayne jumped out of his vehicle, and all of us were standing on the front porch at that point, and he came running up to me screaming, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. And I remember at that point just watching the color just drain out of my world. And I heard Nathan screaming behind me, and I saw those men standing there, and it was just like everything was in black and white. Everything went numb. I felt my body just kind of fill with, like, this heavy lead where I felt like I couldn't even stand on my feet anymore. But I remember looking at them and saying, do you have something you need to say to me? And they said, 
um, yes, thank you, and then they read us their script and told us that Nick wouldn't be coming home. So I did end up, I stayed home after that for about two months, and um, I ended up going back to work as a registered nurse, but I, I really, I couldn't do it for very long. It really was just not me anymore. People mm-hmm. told me, they said, Teresa, don't let Nick's death define you. But it did define me. Being his mother defined me, and losing him defined me. And I felt like I had to do something with that. So I ended up leaving my job, and I stayed home for about a year and a half. And during that time, a lot of Nick's friends and battle buddies, guys that were actually in his unit or maybe even in the convoy with him that day, they were struggling with PTSD, um, traumatic brain injuries, relationship problems, financial problems. And very long story short, I said, well, that's what I can do. I can start a program that helps these young men and women that are coming home and having a hard time adjusting after deployment. So um, with the help of um, some friends and my husband and other family members, we developed the mission statement, the motto, developed the logo, and October 15th of 2013 was our very first day of business. That's when we launched. I just want to, you know, take a minute to acknowledge everything you've been through. I I mean, there was several moments during what you just said where I have chills through my whole body. Um, You painted such a picture that I could visualize that I can't, I have three children of my own and and that pain that you must have felt, I, I literally, it, it wrenches my heart. Um, so, but I also believe through our pain is where we really can, we can rise up, um, and we can make a difference and we can channel it into something good. And, and that really is what you've done here with new beginnings. So, um, I would love to talk a little bit more about your mission. I mean, you mentioned you developed a mission statement and, you know, you, you try to help you try to help now. You help veterans. You help military families. Just tell me more about your organization, what you built, how you started in your garage, and just how you got started. Okay. So I do say that the first thing I like to say is that New Beginnings was an absolute accident. I had no idea this was going to happen. Um, I started it at home with that idea that it was, you know, I had the mission statement. Um, basically, the mission is that we're a nonprofit organization that provides personal and household essentials, resources, and referrals um, to veterans, active service members, and other Gold Star families, and everything is at no charge. Everything is free. So I thought it was going to be something that I did from home, part-time, you know, have a few essentials in my garage if a veteran needed it. Um But that did not last very long. On October 15th of 2013, when I made the calls introducing myself to other veterans' organizations, saying this is who I am and this is what I'm doing, please send any veterans my way, Um, you know, that kind of thing, it just snowballed out of control. And within two months, my four-car garage was absolutely stuffed with donations. It is now December. And if you remember, I mentioned I'm in North Idaho. It gets a lot of snow in December, and I'm parking outside. So that made me very cranky that I had to park my vehicle (laughs) outside in December. 
So we moved to a little 1,700-square-foot facility not too far from my house. It was a little industrial unit, and we were only there for five months before we grew out of that. It just kept growing and growing, and I say I just kept responding to the need in the community. As veterans and active service members and Gold Star families heard about us, um, the word just kept spreading. And um, we actually, long story short, we actually have um, expanded five times in the seven years that we've been doing this. And we now have over 4,000 families enrolled in our program and, um, you know, it's a full-time job. It's incredible. I mean, that, that growth is remarkable. And I, I know I read that no money exchanges hands. So how do you do it? How do you get, one, all these donations? How do you get the volunteers to staff your facility? Like, how, how have you pulled this off? Well, you know, like I said, we've just been... <laughs> I'm a registered nurse. I was never a, a nonprofit director, but I've always, New Beginnings has gotten to where it is now just by kind of taking that next logical step, responding to the need, responding to the growth, and um, really just with 100% support from the community. So the only thing we require from our, from our clients is proof of military service. So they come in, they show us um, a government-issued form of ID, like a DA card, CD-214, their discharge papers, or a military ID. They fill out a short enrollment form. They get into our program, and then they can come in as often as they need to get what they need. Um, there's no limits. Once they're in, they're in. We don't make copies of their proof. We want to respect their privacy. But once they're in, they, they can come back as often as they need to. And it's everything in our shop is... Like I said, it's free, and it was donated. So we have a library that has books and movies and music. We have a room dedicated to infants and toddlers because we provide services to the veteran and their whole family. We have a medical supply room, so walkers, wheelchairs, potty chairs, shower chairs. Um, we even have access to things like hospital beds, foyer lifts, um, those power wheelchairs. We can get it to them within hours, and everything is free. We have um, everything from, um, you know, kitchenware, um, everything for their kitchen, their bedroom, their bathroom, furniture and appliances, uh, even yard stuff, tools, um, and everything is free, and everything is donated. And I, I like to say that it, it is a service to veterans and active service members and Gold Star families, but I think it's also a service to our donors as well because what we have Goodwill right down the street or we have, you know, other thrift stores and other really worthy organizations, other nonprofits that accept donations, but people go out of their way to donate to us because we don't charge for anything. It's just going right to our right to the people that need it to, need it the most and everything is free and it means something to our donors. So they go out of their way to make sure that we get it. That's really cool. Um, so with 4,000 families enrolled in your program and you being around veterans every day, I guess I'm wondering what are they struggling with the most? Like the fact that they come and can get anything they need for their household for free, um, you know, do they do they need that? Are they struggling financially once they get out of the military? Are they... You know, 
having mental health issues. I know 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Like, what are the issues that they're facing that you're seeing based on the people that you serve? Oh, that is such a great question. So when we started New Beginnings, we were thinking it is going to be these young families, Iraq, Afghanistan era veterans. But, and there are them. They are there. They are, for sure. But um, our highest percentage of veterans are definitely our Vietnam era veterans. They're the ones that are struggling the most. Um, they're struggling financially with alcoholism, drug use, because they didn't get the support that our veterans are getting today. Or they're getting it now, but it's coming too late. Um, we have uh, really good relationships with two programs. Um, the good, Goodwill has a program, and the VA has a program that houses homeless veterans. So these are programs that find veterans that are living on the street, living in transitional-type housing, maybe couch surfing, and they provide case management to them, get them stable, and then they get them into their own apartment or, if it's a family, into their own house. And once they're in, once they're stable and in their own house, those case managers will bring the veterans to new beginnings, and we will get them everything they need for inside their their new house. Make that new house, that empty shell of a house, into a home for them. So that is um, one way that you know. Yes, you know, you would think that they don't. You know, do they really need it? This kind of stuff is it really that impactful? And it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got a card from a from a Vietnam era veteran just this week. A little thank you card saying, you know, they're they're our regulars. He comes in every week to get food for his family and to find some household essentials. And he said that we we make him we make ends meet for their family. Um, we also have a food pantry. I forgot to mention that earlier. So we have veterans and their families that come in every week just to stock, you know, just to stock some food in their their cabinets with our food pantry. So, and our, and our donors are so crazy generous. These are, you know, we get things donated that they can so easily sell, um, things that they could put on eBay or Craigslist or things like that, but they want a veteran to have it. So the things that our veterans or our military families have access to are things definitely that they would not have been able to afford otherwise. Right. So, um it, it's crazy, yes. Are your volunteers veterans, or are they just people in the community that love your cause and want to get involved? Oh, I would say um, they're both. I would say most are, are veterans and their families. Um, I have Lori Goldsmith, who is another Gold Star mother. She is the Gold Star mother of Wyatt Goldsmith, and Wyatt was a Green Beret. He was killed in Afghanistan um, eight days after I lost Nick. So we were not, we didn't know each other at that time, but now she is one of my closest friends and she volunteers at New Beginnings. So we actually have, you know, quote unquote civilians that volunteer with us, veterans and their families volunteer with us, and other Gold Star families. I think what I'm what I'm gathering based on everything you said is it's almost like you're providing them a sense of community and belonging, right? It's like you can come here free of charge. You are welcome just for your, just because of your service. You can take whatever you need, no questions asked, no judgment. Like we're here for you. And I just, I don't know if they're getting that anywhere else. 
Um, I don't think they're getting it anywhere else either. Um, and that is absolutely true. They come in there for the peer support and the camaraderie. And like I said, we have so many veterans and veteran family members that come into New Beginnings on a regular basis, weekly, um, monthly at least, because that is where they get their peer support. That's where they they feel welcome. Um, I know this is kind of hokey, but it has a it has a really good vibe. You know, people go in there and they they don't even know what to expect and they don't want to leave. And we're like, okay, you gotta go now because we're really full and you have to go. <laughs> but they don't want to go. <laughs> it just feels it's just a really good feels very good to be there. Um, a little short little story is um, it was we were we were coming up on our fifth year anniversary and this gentleman walked in. The lobby was absolutely packed and. He comes in with a piece of paper in his hand, and I could see him over by the door looking around very confused. So I walked up to him, and I said, can I help you? And he goes, I'm looking for this place. And he hands me the piece of paper, and the piece of paper said, Scooters America. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) they used to be here before us. They moved. So I gave him the new address to Scooters America, and he goes, what is this place? And I said, well, it's a new beginning. Let me tell you. So I actually showed him around and told him the whole story of New Beginnings. It turned out that this man was a 30-year Air Force veteran and had never heard of it and was shocked that he had never heard of it. And he said, did you know that you are in the top 5% of all nonprofits? And I said, what? How do you know that? You just met us. And he goes, I'll tell you that 95% of all nonprofits fail within the first five years. And I had no idea. And here we are just celebrating our seven-year anniversary. So I can't even imagine what the statistics are for that. That's amazing. So how, just you personally, like at a personal level, like how do you feel about everything that you've built? I mean, taking your pain, turning it into something so beautiful for so many community members and families and military and their just all the servicemen and women how do you feel about everything that you've accomplished with New Beginnings? Mm, that is a very hard question, but I will tell you, one of the things I always say, I have it written down, is that I feel like New Beginnings is the collateral beauty that occurred after we lost Nick. It is it is a beautiful thing that happened after we lost Nick. New Beginnings has given me pride and a purpose, and it has given Nick's death Meaning, it yeah. won't bring him back. It doesn't. It will never make it okay for me. Mm-hmm. But it has given his his death meaning, and I love that I get to talk about him every single day. Every yeah. day I show pictures of him. Every day I get to talk about him. Um, and I, you know, part of our unspoken mission is we have a, a a wall in our hallway, and it's called the Hall of Heroes, and it's got Wyatt's picture. Um, Lori's son and Nick and Nathan Byers, who was killed with my son. And it's kind of our unwritten mission, which is to put a face to those that have fallen in service to our country, because I think a lot of people take our freedom for granted. Mm-hmm. And they need to realize that they're not just numbers. They are young men and women yeah. that have families that will forever be grieving their loss. And um, I just want people to kind of maybe maybe appreciate their freedom a little bit more 
because of the sacrifices that have been made for it. Right. Yeah, I mean, beautifully, beautifully said. Um, so as we wrap up this interview, I guess I'm wondering, how do you like to positively transform your community? Positively transforming our community just by doing what we're doing and being available to these um, to our veterans, you know, uh, in our in our entire area, the entire inland Northwest, um, you know, being able to provide this to them, but also being able to provide a, a service to our donors as well. Um, I feel like that's how we positive, positively have, have transformed our community is on both ends of the spectrum by those that give and that by those that need. I mean, 100%. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing in your community. You are making a major difference in the lives of so many families. And it's just such beautiful work. And I just want to thank you for your service and your son's service and all the people that you work with and and the people that you serve. Um, It is an amazing thing and I do not want to take our freedom for granted in any way. So I just want to thank you so much for talking with us today and being on the Red River Cares podcast and just can't wait to see what your organization can can continue to do um, as you keep progressing. Thank you so much, Tina. And you know, I do have, we have a a Facebook page. So um, New Beginnings of North Idaho on Facebook. If you want to kind of see what we're doing in a real-time kind of basis. And we also have a website, which is newbeginnings.org. Um, and it's New Beginnings the way we spell it. Because I don't even know if I said this, but Nick's last name is Newbie. And so New Beginnings is a play on his name. So it's newbie-ginnings of North Idaho. And um, my mom actually came up with the name. It was brilliant. I love it. It's so, so clever. Um, yeah. So if anybody wants to, to learn more about what we're doing, Um, get in touch with us for any reason, please visit our Facebook page or, or our website. We'll definitely follow you. Thank you so much, Teresa, and we'll talk with you soon. Thank you, Tina. As we close today's show, I just want to thank you for tuning in to the Red River Cares podcast. Again, if you want to follow my guest, Teresa Hart, be sure to visit her website at www.newbeginnings.org. That is N-E-W-B-Y-G-I-N-N-I-N-G-S.org. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Red River Charitable Foundation.com. Till next time, tune in to Get Inspired. <laughs>